Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? I'm Egbert, the owner of this station. Check out my website at Egbert.com. That's E-G-G-B-U-R-T, Egbert.com. Now it's back to Brad and John. Check out their website at BJShow.co. The BJ Show? Come on, guys. Anyway, here's B and J. Egbert still is not approving of our website. But you know what? Maybe it's because of the fact I can never get it right. Let me try it again. BJShow.co. Did I get it right? BJShow.co? You got it right. And you know what? I think I have a theory on, on Egbert's mood lately. It's because, you know, he loves those Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. I don't know if he has any long sleeve ones. And you know how the weather's been here. I don't I don't know if he spends most of his time here in, like, actually in St. Louis or at his place in the Bahamas. But I don't know. I mean, like... I, my theory is that the weather is that he really is a tropical guy and this weather has him down. You know, the interesting thing about that is is that we talk about, you know, uh, climate. People get acclimated to climate if they live in Los Angeles and the temperature goes down to 50 degrees and they're wearing like a parka, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Because are, are the people like in Florida, uh, like my son who lives in Pensacola, who talked about the fact that the other day they, it got down to 19 degrees. You know, they were like, they were like oh my God. <laughs> so, so the interesting part of that is since we've been through this deep freeze where we had the negative temperatures, now that we're in like the 30s and 40s, to me it's like, hey, short sleeve weather. Oh, you know? I know. It's been incredible. <laughs> it's... The one day that it was like in the 30s, I was like, this is heaven. Yeah, it's so weird. You know, it's like, it's like, but yet if it went from, let's go back into the fall, if one day it went from the first cold day we had where it was like 80 degrees one day and then three days later it was 30, we'd go, oh my God, I'm freezing. Oh, we'd be miserable. That's <laughs> okay. right. We, we adapt quickly, don't we? Yes. Several things to talk about. Okay, I've had in my life many Karens, and oh, when I mean, yes, I, I mean literally, have, literally Karens, K-A-R-E-N's. That's their name, and I do feel sorry for them because of the fact their name has been co-opted, corrupted, whatever you want to call it, into uh, the person that uh, if you're driving down the highway and they think that you cut them off, they get out of their car and they take off their high heel shoe and they and they poke holes in your windshield. Okay, that's, mm-hmm. ad- would you, would you mm-hmm. agree with me that that's what a lot of people are now considering to be a Karen, correct? Yeah, and they ask, they, their cliche is they ask to speak to the manager. Right. They're the type of customer <laughs> right. that would ask, I, I want to speak to your manager. Right, okay. I read this interesting article article yesterday about a guy's claiming that we shouldn't be using the word Karen because once again, like I say, it demeans women who are actually named Karen. Uh, We should be calling them awfuls and, but it's, it stands for something. You know, you know about this? I've been talking about awfuls in the Missouri times for two or three years now, Brad, and it stands for affluent white female liberal. Yes, exactly. So folks who've been reading my columns in the Missouri Times know that it's one of my favorite acronyms. Awfuls. <laughs> which, which... which which by the way sums up we all know the affluent white female liberal who has a lot of opinions and I think Brad, I don't know how you feel about this, but probably their defining characteristic is they love and embrace diversity because they don't live near it. 
Well, and no, see, the reason I bring this up is there's two reasons. First off, I think it's sort of interesting. I have never, never heard it before. You're way ahead of me, so, so you, you've been using it for a couple of years. There's this thing going on in Naperville, Illinois. Do you know about, you know where Naperville is? Yeah, it's a suburb. I had some friends from Naperville when yes. I was in college. Yeah, it's a suburb of Illinois. And or Nap- sub- suburb of Chicago. Right, say. and Naperville is sort of a Ladue kind of community. It's very high-end. Yeah, well-to-do. Very well-to-do people, okay? There's a guy on the city council in Naperville who, you know, this guy, I'm thinking to myself, he's my kind of guy because this is what he's suggesting. He has suggested that, you know, they, you know, once again, they're, they're a, a suburb of Chicago, and you know the whole problem that the mayor of Chicago is crying about, oh, we got all these immigrants. We don't, we don't <laughs> yes, know what to yes, do. the irony. Yeah, even though he cl- claimed they're, they're a sanctuary city, now that people are using them as a sanctuary city, they don't want to be a sanctuary city anymore. So they're trying to move them out of Chicago. As a matter of fact, they've, I think they're, they also have like New York where they've tried to make it illegal for the buses to come into town. And if mm-hmm. you bring a bus in, we're going to seize your bus and turn it into a whatever. Okay, he has suggested in Naperville, he's, the guy's name I think is Josh McBroom. And he suggested that in Naperville, that Naperville become a voluntary sanctuary city. And what he has suggested is the citizens of Naperville Naperville should sign up to host illegals. Yeah, why not? (laughs) And it's a great plan for... Now, why can't the offals extend their Twitter and Facebook hospitality and congeniality and open arm approach to some of these illegals? Well, so he's being obviously sort of tongue-in-cheek because of the fact that, you know, once again, you have the situation where, and let's be honest, a lot of the white liberals are like, yes, we, with these immigrants, they just want to live and they just want to work and they just want to have a job. But yet, if you, if you would say to them, you, what kind of house you got? Well, my husband and I live in a four-bedroom house. Do you have any kids? Oh, no, we're empty nesters now. So yeah. you've got three empty bedrooms, right? Well, that's three different families you could put yeah. in your house. And now, Brad, to, <laughs> to give you another acronym, you, you're familiar with DINKS, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, that's a great example of DINKS that have a large house and plenty of rooms. But, yeah, they, they wouldn't want to host an illegal. Right, and it's to the point where it's like, okay, so hold on a minute now. Like, you, you're you saying that we should let these people in our community, but not in your house, right? Yeah, let who, what, Now, who was it, Brad? It was a famous conservative writer, I'm not sure who it was, in the 80s or 90s, who said that a person's um, tolerance for diversity is inversely proportional to their proximity to it. Well, I, it's a great quote, but but you know, once again, the crazy part of this is, is that that you look at this and you go like, okay, I understand what they're saying, but you know, what's the old thing? You know, don't be part of the problem, be part of the solution. Yeah. And the idea being is, the solution would be for them to open up their houses, but they won't do it. And, yeah. Or the, also the idea that charity begins at home. Well, so literally, why aren't you open up, opening up your home if you profess these values and that we need to give me your tired, your battered, your beaten, right. whatever, you know, now, whatever I'm, the line is. I'm going to say something else, which is going to get me in trouble with the church people and the church people being that that see, once again, this is how my mind got got fried or screwed up, whatever. 
when I first got in the radio business, we were at, at the old KSOQ. We were at 111 South Bemiston. And I always worked the nights. One, once again, I started my career, I worked the nights and the weekends. A lot of times, you know, like I'd work, you know, 2 to 6 in the morning on weekdays. And you'd work double and triple shifts. Yeah. Well, no, that was my I was a police dispatcher. But this was when oh, I was, the, right, which, right, was right. in the radio business. Okay. And we had these windows. We had a, we were on the third floor of the Bemiston building, uh, this 111 South Bemiston building. And I had these windows look, looked out onto the northern part of Clayton. And I could see the county government center, which is just a little a block up from us. And I could see all these office towers. And at night, there's nobody in them. And on the weekends, there's nobody in them. I always thought to myself, God, think about that for a minute. Yeah. You know, those buildings are going unused essentially two-thirds of the time during the week. And on the weekend, for the most part, 100% of the time. And when you get into the holiday mode, like let's say the Christmas breaks and things like that, once again, there's like whole periods of time when nobody uses those offices. How yeah, unproductive is this? So I've always been into the kind of mode that like, you know, do it 24 hours, seven days a week, okay? Having said that, let's take churches. Most churches have, you know, let's say very nice buildings, but yet- A sanctuary, a fellowship hall. Well, but whatever it is, it's hardly ever used. You know, look yeah, at look right. at the usage of that. If you take like where you actually have the what do you call it the 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 where the service goes on. What do you call that area? I mean, the sanctuary. Sanctuary. Okay, mm-hmm. that thing sits there. You know, for the for the most part, like six days out of the week, empty. And on Sunday after like what two or three o'clock, empty again. Yeah, it's gone. And with the exception of some some church committee meetings or community meetings, you're right. And most every church has a large, you know, whether they call it a fellowship hall or whether they call it a gathering center, they have a large open area that would be great for sleeping bags and cots. Or a cafeteria, something like that. Or a right, cafeteria, right. you're exactly right. And, and almost all have their own, you know, I think every church has their own kitchen. Put those places to work. Okay, one other thing that I found interesting in my little perusing of the internet yesterday. Once again... I talk about the law of unintended consequences, and here we go again. This is New Jersey. New Jersey has passed a law against single-use plastic bags at grocery stores, okay? You can't go in, and single-use meaning the little flimsy ones you get, what they call them, the, what the t-shirt bags, whatever they call them. Yeah, um, yeah, that fly away in the wind. Right, right, right. And, <laughs> and, and the problem with them is that I know talking to the recycling people, they're very hard to recycle because if they go through the regular recycling, they get caught up in some kind of the machinery, stuff like that. That's yeah. why most of the stores, when you go into the stores, there's a bin outside that's just specifically for those bags because if you keep them separate if you sort them out they can be recycled but for the most part they're not okay so new jersey once again being very democratic and being very liberal and you know hey we've got to protect the planet enacted a law that essentially uh, outlawed single-use plastic bags and instead you have to buy a reusable plastic bag okay and the Uh difference between the single use and the reusable is you can probably figure this out the reusable is much 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 heavy duty okay Here's what's happened, and this is interesting. The amount of plastic being consumed in New Jersey is now three times what it was previously because people are not reusing the plastic bags. They're just throwing them away? They're just, are they keep them or whatever? And yeah. the, inter- the interesting part of this is that in the law, the retailers complained, well, hold on a minute. Now that's going to cost us more money. So now they charge for the bags. 
Of course they do. And, and this is by state law. And some of the high-volume stores are making between two and $300,000 a year in profit on selling the new bags. Now, <laughs> where, so what I would love to see, Brad, so I hadn't heard this or followed this at all. I would love to track the lobbying of this bill in previous years to see where plastic manufacturers are, to see where the grocery industry is on this. And maybe they were opposed to it. Maybe they support it. But how would that change if you look at your bottom line and you see, okay, like you, you get what I'm saying? Like where oh, were yeah. the lobbyists? But look, I, I understand 100%, but, but, but think about it. The thing was pushed as an environmental issue. Oh, sure, but that doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> it's symbolism over substance. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Right. I mean, it was pushed as the fact that like if you use these bags, they end up in the landfill and they can't be recycled. And this is, you know, we're, and, and essentially they end up in the ocean because New Jersey is, you know, part of the you know, ocean front there in New Jersey. <laughs> they end up in the ocean and some poor whale gets, you know, ingested. Yeah. Yeah. Or it, a baby seal. It, right. You know, it, it, it goes across oceans. Right, right. That kind of stuff. But to me, it's like the classic example of the law of unintended consequences. Now, yes. what I also find fascinating about this is I've heard this a couple times and I've done my research on this. And this is absolutely positively true that if you were to go and you see... You know, you don't see it as much anymore because of the COVID thing, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But you see the people, and I'm not making fun of the people, the people that bring their, like, their their woven burlap bags to the yes, grocery store. Yes, and Brad, okay. what kind of shoes do they probably wear? <laughs> they have their they have their Birkenstocks on, right? They have their comfortable shoes on. They're, <laughs> they're com- comfortable shoes. Right, they're comfortable with their Birkenstocks, okay? <laughs> ne- ne- you'll never see a woman walk into a store with uh, who, in stilettos and a skirt who's carrying a reusable... With a woven hemp bag. <laughs> right, you'll Correct. never see that okay <laughs> so i read this story and I, I i've seen it three or four times and i've tried to come to the source 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 and i've never been able to figure that out but they claim that it takes 40 percent more 40 times more energy and materials to make a reusable bag than a plastic bag absolutely and, believe it absolutely they, believe it and uh, sorry to interrupt brad but yesterday there was a story and i didn't read the whole thing i believe it came out of michigan that did a deep dive on urban farming and the trend of urban farming right and how much more energy and um how much more inputs have to go into a quote-unquote urban farm right than any other acre but you know what it feels good and you set it up in north city and you grow some carrots and you you take a few pictures there and brad that's what you called back in thanksgiving the concept of the of the turkey people you come out and you do an urban farm and you take some pictures but you you know it would make way more sense to add an additional eighth of an acre in franklin county then set up something in St. Louis. City. But and because it's it's cause it comes down to economies of scale. That's essentially the whole thing. You're exactly right. That that you get one of those. You know, people go like, oh, look at that big monstrous John Deere tractor out there in the field. But yet that that guy can produce you know uh, crops at a fraction of the cost that someone exactly. can. Even when you consider transport, <laughs> right. even when you consider distribution right. as well. Because of the fact that he's got one big monster tractor and he's covering you know hundreds of acres with that one tractor, whereas with one dude who's got you know a quarter of an acre in the city, he's got all yep. the different uh, expenses, stuff like that. So anyway, the whole thing with the, the New Jersey thing just cracked me up because of the fact that, like, here we go again. You know, Now, and- Brad, you're a, in, so here's one thing that I've wanted to do a deep dive on, and I bet you anything you know about this. The idea of the, the, and I'm a, I've always been a big recycler for somebody that's general, that doesn't consider himself much of an environmentalist. I'm a huge recycler. 
what's the story with the idea that you're actually doing no good by recycling, say, number two plastics? Because I still put them in the recycling bin. But but aren't they? I, I've heard that they're that they're set adrift in the in the ocean and they never get to where they need to be. No, I don't think that's the case. The problem is is that that you know, and once again, see, I get accused of being like this guy who's scorching the earth and stuff like that. I'm Mr. Recycle. Yeah, I have I matter of fact here in my studio I've got matter of fact I can twenty feet away from where I am right now, I've got a five gallon uh the a five gallon bucket that's got tra- that's got aluminum cans in it. When I when that bucket's full, I take it to him. I've got a crusher. I crush one forty one in in, right. in in Valley Park. I crush my aluminum cans. Yeah. Matter of fact, just the other day, I put a new battery in my car. I had to, you know, I took the battery to get the battery recycled. You know, I mean, I mean, once again, I'm sitting here in the studio. I'm looking at my the, the board I have in front of me. This is a recycled piece of equipment. This is a piece of equipment that was originally bought new 20 years ago. Was used at a radio station. Uh, they upgraded. This went to a uh, you know a, 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 an equipment buyer. The guy, this guy here in St. Louis, that buys used broadcast equipment all over the country. I bought it from him. It's been on running the audio for KSLQ for two or three years now. So in other words, this could have ended up you know in a in, in a, a landfill, landfill right? somewhere. Instead, it's being reused. But you know, once again, I. I mean, and and see, I don't understand this whole crazy thing. I'm driving around in cars that, you know, matter of fact, both cars that I'm driving on a regular basis, both cars, one was 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 sold to me for $300 and it sat in a lady's driveway for two years, broke down. I drive that car at least, you know, a couple times a week. My other car, which was given to me as DOA, dead on arrival, uh, you know, I put probably 60,000 miles in that car. Yeah. And once again, you know, it's, you know, and, and I've talked about this all the time. If I go to the junkyard, if I go to pick and pull down on Hall Street, I walk through there and I think to myself, I could drive that car out. I could drive that yeah. car out. Yeah. I could drive that car out. But once again, what are we going to do? Okay. I know we've we've got a little bit of time constraints here, and we're going a little bit long for there's a reason for that. But before we leave, you know what I have to do. But I already know it's well. Gonna... You know what? I, I I think he's he might be on the air with with our friend Pete. But well, you know what? I wouldn't dis- I wouldn't disturb him if he's if he's if he's on the radio with a fellow broadcaster, Brad. But... No, that's exactly when we want to call him. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly because when he's on the air, his phone's going to go, clunk, 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 you know, all the little tones and stuff like that. Oh, okay. yeah. So the idea is to is is to be a disruptor, as, as yes. they say in the industry. Hold on a minute. Here we go. This is Bill Eigel. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Six three six five four four nine eight one seven is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Bill, Brad, Hildebrand, we're on the air live. I'm with John Combes. You probably know who John is. Uh, we'd love to have you on the air. If you can call us back, we've got a few minutes left, 314-280-8880. Once again, 314-280-8880. And I, I would love to have my producer call you and schedule a time, but we don't have a producer because we can't afford one. So give me a call back, 314-280-8880. Thanks. Think you'll call back? Oh, yeah, m- yeah momentarily. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, b- between the Eagle calls and Mark McCloskey. The you know, difference is Bill can't tell us about <laughs> testosterone replacement therapy. See, the funny... Hey, can we go back to the Karen thing real briefly? Yeah, yeah. The idea is what we couldn't do. And the only thing that bothers me about the Karen situation, I find the memes hilarious. 
can you imagine I, I know we all love to, to laugh at white women because white women are the new white men and we can pick on them but what if we saw some really bad urban behavior and we called those people Lakeishas? What if we said, I'm so tired of Tawanas coming in here and, and messing everything up? Suddenly it wouldn't be as funny, would it, Brad? John, you're skating on thin ice with that, buddy. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, I am. And you, hey, you and I, well, it might have been a little bit before your time, but I went to school with a whole lot of Lakeishas. And I went to school with a bunch of Shamikas. And we couldn't call certain behavior today in mainstream society if we called people, hey, you're totally acting like a Shakisha. Well, right now, now hold on a minute. Like, we oh, would be run, run, run out of town on a rail. But we've had comments like that, or names about that, about people in the past. Remember, we had what was it? Was what was the one? Buffy. Who? What was the two? The 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 husband and wife, Buffy and and remember there was like the the the, 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 the like they, if you were going to like the two, you know the the in our, in our area, the West County uh, two. Uh, oh, like a. Buffy and a Buff and Biff or something yeah, like that. Biff yeah, Biff and Buffy or something like that. You know, like and we can say Chad and we can make fun of strong white males and call them Chads. But you know, again, you do the flip test on that, Brad. Suddenly, it's not so funny. Well, you know, the sad part of this this is that you know, it's sort of like Trump <laughs> with people. All the names he comes up with people. You know, it's funny the other night when Ron DeSantis essentially bows out of the race, he says he's retiring the desanctimonious name, which I yeah, thought was yeah, funny. Yeah. Which was a good one. Which was a good one. And I like DeSantis, actually. But, uh, oh, but, but yeah, that was a good one. Okay, we are out of here. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. This is the Brad and John Show. You can check it out. B&J Show. Or, I'm doing, I'm doing, almost. We almost got it. BJShow.co. And if you haven't got enough of the BJ Show, guess what? More BJ Show right now. Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it?